tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. So the mass looting that we saw happening in Gauteng and uh, in Guazul-Natal has no doubt highlighted the problem of poverty in the country. No one is saying there's no element of criminality, but poverty has really been highlighted. Many commentators have been saying that uh, this would not have happened at the scale um, that it happened in if people were employed. Civil society groups have been calling for the social relief of distress and uh, the introduction of a basic income grant. If you can remember that the findings from the UJHSRC COVID-19 Democracy Service showed a public support for such measures to discuss this further and to find out how we and how much of a solution these grants can be, these social grants can be. Um, we are also joined on the line by Professor Narnia uh, Bola Muller, who's the head of the Developmental Capable and Ethical State Research Division at the Human Science Research Council. Professor Bola Muller, thank you very much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Patricia. It's nice to be with you. From the surveys that have been conducted uh, since uh, the COVID-19 lockdowns, because that's where we realize that in South Africa, we don't only have a huge inequality gap, but poverty and unemployment is a real, real issue in our country. And COVID-19 lockdowns really exasperated this. So in your surveys, was it found that uh, perhaps uh, social grants could alleviate uh, this current uh, state of poverty that we find ourselves in? Without a doubt, um, lots of support um, in, in, from the South African public with regards to increasing the social grants. Now, we know that it's no longer the case, but the support for this really is just growing. So from um, April of last year until July of this year, we've seen a growth in support for the increase in social grants from 66% last year to 74% in July of this year. So um, the reason for this, I think, is because people understand what we are facing now. Um, It's very clear that poverty, as you say, unemployment and hunger, really uh, causing a lot of distress. And I think that uh, it would be worth considering, governments should consider uh, the increase in social grants again, because the pandemic's not going anywhere. I mean, I've just seen, for example, that we're waiting for a fourth wave in November. So this would really go a long way to assisting people in overcoming the survival uh, situation that they're in at the moment um, and try and and live a a life of well-being rather than just looking for food and, and work and feeling quite desperate about it which led to the protests and the unrest. It is one of the the elements, as you say quite correctly. You know, Professor, when I I listen to what uh, suggestions that um, economists are coming up with when it comes to social grants and uh, continuing with them or even increasing them, it seems it will affect our fiscal uh, budget. It will maybe call for increased taxes for those who are paying tax. It may call for, you know, uh, you know, other things being abandoned. And we know that South Africa is not, you know, um, at, in a good stead when it comes to our finances. Our budget is being cut left, right and center. We're trying to meet all responsibilities. So would the greater South African public who are paying taxes be able to then afford to live if taxes are increased for them so that those who don't have jobs, who are not employed, who are living in poverty, um, um, 
circumstances to be able to af- be afforded the you know the privilege of having a grant will the rest of the tax-paying South Africans be able to afford that well it seems as if they think they'd be willing to afford it because um, most South Africans including those who are wealthy are supporting I mean it's a very high level of support are supporting the increase of, of social grants but I think that um, it's not the only way in which we can address poverty, inequality, and unemployment. Um, and that's why the, the basic income grant is also something that's being taken into consideration because what that will do is it will allow people to seek employment, people who are now unemployed, to seek employment, which will stimulate the economy. And that's exactly what we need. We need to stimulate the economy. We need to free up money for people to spend and once the economy is stimulated, more jobs will be available to people. And, and this will really go a long way in assisting us. Um, I know that we're in a bad economic situation, but we don't want to be living in a country that is completely unstable because of the fact that people are living in poverty and experiencing hunger. So something needs to be done. And I don't know how uh, Treasury and the actuarial scientists and economists are going to deal with it, but the realization is, is that we can't continue as we are. Stimulating the economy, I think this is one of the things that we should be zooming in on. Um, how have you, as um, you know, the, the, the Human Sciences Research Council, come up with, um, or what measures have you come up with when it comes to stimulation of the economy? Because it's one thing to give grants, uh, but we'll ask the question, is it sustainable? But stimulating the economy, that means we're opening up job opportunities. So factories and industries are opening up for people to get employment. So how can we start that? Well, there are many, many ways of doing this. And I myself am not an economist, but um, there has been quite a a strong support from economists um, and from researchers to introduce this basic income grant. Um, So it would be a a sum of money given to 18 to 59-year-olds who are unemployed. And basically, this money can then be used for people to seek employment. Um, and, And so... People will not be sitting at home um, feeling hopeless and helpless, but actually going out there, hopefully, to seek employment once the job market, of course, opens up and and hopefully um, the pandemic is not going to continue forever. So that is one way of doing it. There is also something else called the Universal Basic Income Grant, which is slightly different, um, and that is that you provide everyone employed or unemployed between the ages of 18 and 59, a certain amount of money, which will then um, free spending and stimulate the economy. Um, And this has been done in the U.S. uh, just during during the pandemic, actually. Uh, There was a a once-off universal basic income grant that was given to the American um, population, and it did indeed do what it was supposed to do. Uh, So this has happened um, everywhere. But, of course, some people would say, you know, why give money to people who are employed? Uh, The thing is, if you give money to people who are employed, they will spend more. Um, So it it is something that that a number of NGOs are also um, pushing for. Um, And obviously, if you have a population that is not hungry or desperate, uh, you'd have people who perhaps are more entrepreneurial, um, and and are able to to start doing their own 
their own thing, uh, opening their own small businesses, and not being in this kind of survival mode, as I say. So we could increase productivity in South Africa by, by just you know, opening up a little bit and giving people some space. We are talking uh, to Professor Narnia Bola-Muller, who's the head of the Developmental Capable and Ethical State Research Division at the Human Sciences Research Council. Please do join in on the conversation on 011-714-2006. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 104.6 FM in Kimberley. We are talking uh, right now about uh, granting freedom and how do we do this um, by making sure that there's social protection for South Africans. Poverty is a real issue. We have seen what it has or its ripple effects have uh, had on us um, with the recent lootings and the unrest in parts of Gauteng and KwaZulu-Natal. And obviously it is not a a, a one-size-fit-all solution, but it's definitely a solution to alleviate poverty and that would be bringing up some social uh, protection via grants. We are in conversation with Professor Narnia Bola-Muller, who's head of the Developmental Capable and Ethical State um, Research Division at the Human Science uh, Research Council. Prof, in terms of a universal grant that you were speaking about before the break, would it be sustainable um, for the way our a budget is as South Africa. Would it be something that would be sustainable? Can we do it, even if it's at a once-off for all South Africans to get something to stimulate our pockets and our economy? You know, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, I know that we are in in a dire circumstances with regards to our economy, Um, but there are certain things that we need to think of in terms of the long term. Um, and so, I mean, there are many things that, that have to be juggled when we, we look at um, any country's economy. But um, I have a, a stepson who lives in, in Vietnam now, and they feed people, uh, everyone, um, throughout the pandemic. You get your package of food every day at your door. And so one wonders how a country that is poor, like Vietnam, is able to do this. And we need to start looking at these kinds of examples uh, throughout the world where the basic income grant or universal grant has been introduced and how it has affected, um, first of all, the, the, the quality of life of citizens um, and how govern- governments have been able to sustain this because it is possible. Uh, so we need to really think very carefully about this and, and look at best practice and good practice in other countries. Let me go to our A-team callers on the line. I've got Johnny, who's in Kabecha. Good morning, Johnny. Uh, uh, good morning, Patricia. Good morning, Professor. Morning. Uh, Professor, uh, you touch on something that I, I'm very interested in. I, I'm a retired uh, shoe industry person. Now, in my retirement, I'm running this little, small subs- substance just to subs- uh, sustain myself with my pension. I'm having this leather products I'm making. Now, you know what, Professor, the potential for job creation in what I'm doing is so, so big. Mm. Because in the shoe industry, there's a lot of labor needed to manufacture, (coughs) sorry, a pair of shoes. Now, Prof, job creation will only be when we start making our own products. 
We must stop importing products, Prof. <coughs> I am sick of hearing this. We must make our own product. Nothing materializes properly, Prof. Prof, we sit with millions of people in our country who need shoes, handbags, leather belts. The industry mm -hmm. is there, Professor, and we must just stimulate it and stop importing stuff from China and this country, and we can make it ourselves. Because the only way to create uh, chartered accountants, salesmen, all those people all, uh, along the value chain is by having a product or a service prof to sell to the world. Thank you very much, Prof. Thank you very much, Johnny. I'm moving now to Lungisa, who's in Durban. Good morning, Lungis. Hi there, good morning. Go ahead with your comment. Yes, um, uh, just one thing. Um, this whole employment thing, I'd like to start there. Firstly, in South Africa, we have like the, 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 the most cheap labor ever. We, even as workers right now, are working from hand to mouth. So at the end of the month, you've got absolutely nothing to save except to wait for a check, and you've got a whole bunch of things that you've got to pay for. Secondly, the people, when you talk about poverty, it seems that it has come to a norm where poverty is now uh, black. Like, black is all right to be poverty, in poverty. You go outside, look at the taxis around you. Any taxi, filled with black people. You go to the rural areas, filled with black people. Everything that's all around us is like poverty, 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 when it comes to black people. And cheap labor even adds to that. So even if you are creating employment, you've still got the issue of cheap labor and people not getting enough money to actually live or save something up for themselves to make something. And the point is still that just went out now to create our own thing. Like the, another guy was talking about sugar yesterday. He says South Africa creates enough sugar that now it has to actually dump it out into, into cheap um, sectors and sell it at a lesser. But we are still importing sugar from other countries. We are still importing other stuff from other countries. Our textile industry is gone to rubbish because we are busy buying things from everywhere else and not here. Even the people who have money in South Africa are not looking out for South Africans. They are looking out for themselves. It's like uh, it's a, if I'm okay, then the rest of the people know it's fine. That's how we're living now. So if you've got a job and your job pays you well and everything is all right in your life, you feel that if somebody goes on a strike or does something, he's interrupting my life. So I should fight against that. No, it's about all of us as South Africans. We should be moving forward and empowering our people to move forward and grow out of this poverty and this mentality of not creating their own things. And this thing about the government selling out um, airports, selling out um, ESCOM, and selling, how are you going to get the revenue? Like the same thing uh, Julius Malema was saying, you got a piece of land. Pick and pay comes to you and tells you, I want to buy that from you. How do you sell that as a government? You should be renting out that land to that person, then taking a certain percentage every single month so that that municipal or whatever gets to grow all the time and gets money from that from month to month. And then you generate money to put back into your people. Not this thing where we're privatizing everything and just giving back the money to the minority, which is rich. That's, that's my point. Thank you very much, Lungisa, for that point. Well noted. I'm going to ask you, uh, Prof, that you stay with us uh, straight after the news um, headlines. We'll be back and uh, we'll take anonymous and then we'll get your comments on uh, what our listeners have been saying. It's uh, just a minute before we get to uh, 10.30. I'm sure Uncle Luyanda Mawome is... SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation.
Let's continue with our conversation with uh, Professor Narnia uh, Bola Muller. And uh, we are talking about what can be sustainable, what can stimulate our economy and uh, see poverty um, eradicated possibly in our country. I've got Anonymous Susan Limbobo. Good morning, Anonymous. Key, please, anonymous, switch off your radio so we don't echo. Yeah. You can hear us. I think it's off now. Okay, let me just try it because uh, I'm struggling to use it. Okay, it's off now. Listen, um, Pat, Patricia, we hear you loud and clearly. Do you hear me now? Loud and clearly, anonymous. Please go ahead. Okay, I'm in Limpopo. Um, I think this this issue of uh, poverty, poverty now. As for me, it's starting to irritate me. And this thing of saying uh, a lack of jobs, what what is starting to actually bore me. Because the government knows exactly what we can do. I mean, this thing of tendering, why can't we just kill the tender, abolish the tender? Because it's really, we are at a stage whereby instead of hiring a uh, hundred people, we are hiring one person who's taking one million and pay the rest of uh, 100 uh, uh, laborers, uh, maybe uh, 1,000 rand just for a month, and then they're, they're done. Why can't we just employ these people? I'm looking at when we have to go and, uh, I mean, STB at another school. When we have to go and buy some tissues or the, the stuff for the school, we, we, we have to look for a, a, a service provider. We outsource. Why can't we just uh, uh, hire uh, people who will be responsible to to do all those things that we need? If we need uh, 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 um, tissues, then we know this is a supply chain-like in, in, in schools. Permanently, those people will be looking at all those stuff, and then uh, they're, they're, they're responsible to buy the, the stuff for the people. But instead of that, we hire PET. PET is just going to take um, the jobs of a so many people. Why can't we just kill tenders and employ people? What's the problem with that? How many times do we told the government? Are they listening, really? Thank wow. you very much for that. Uh, anonymous, uh, thank you. Um, let me read this one. It's from Dennis in Pretoria who says, uh, some thought... Um, should be given to some form of population control. South Africa is overpopulated and cannot provide quality upbringing and all the health and education opportunities. It's a losing battle. That's from Dennis. You, yeah, another one here who's anonymous via SMS who says uh, social grants have proven such a great success that we should carry on doing same thing, but bigger. I live in a world of fools who think money fixes everything. Please ask your guest to explain ethics, motivating, and making more dependent on ongoing charity for their continued welfare rather than investing in self-sustainability. I'm coming back to you, Professor. Could you kindly, uh, you know, just give us your response on the thoughts that have been given by our listeners? Uh, Yes, they're, they're very interesting thoughts and very important thoughts. And it's wonderful that people are able to share these ideas um, because a lot of them really make sense. Um, The issue of of entrepreneurship and small businesses, to create our own wealth, to create our own jobs within South Africa is so important because in order to employ people, you need employers. And we need to also then stimulate this market 
And there are many ways in which this can be done. Um, small business grants, uh, making it much easier and less bureaucratic to open your own small business and to become an entrepreneur who then contributes towards the economy. So I think that was the, your first caller who made that extremely good point, um, you know, about making shoes, employing people to make shoes. People need shoes. Why do we import? Why didn't we not make our own products? And that's got a lot to do with maybe um, people feeling hopeless. And, and we need to start thinking about um, a new way of looking at our lives in South Africa and that everybody, and there was another point that was made by our caller, that everybody contributes towards the economy and everybody feels concern about poverty and inequality and try to find ways of dealing with it. So we, we do need to work together in order to do this. Um, the issue about tenders is an interesting one. I mean, the, the, the whole tender system or procurement system is open to abuse, but it was, in, it was introduced really to stimulate uh, black business. I'm not sure if that is what is happening, though. And so that points, I think, something that needs attention, um, that we, we need to reconsider some of the issues around uh, public procurement and procurement generally so that we have service providers who are ethical and responsible and indeed provide the services that people need. Um, and your last caller was talking about, you know, how to, to change mindsets to make uh, people realize that they themselves can make a difference. And this does, again, have a lot to do with the fact that uh, South Africans are feeling that not much is happening, uh, that, that we have promises that have not been made. And the problem is, don't make promises that you can't keep. I mean, that's, that's really a, a big thing. Uh, lots of expectations have been created in South Africa, and we need to think about how to make people more self-sufficient. That is very true. And then I'm, I'm not going to make a comment about population control. Well, um, I'm really hoping that um, all your research that you're doing, uh, Professor, is going to yield some great results so that we stimulate our economy and uh, we see inequality being, um, you know, that big gap being closed uh, slowly but surely. But we do thank you for all the work that you are doing as the Human Science Research Council. Thanks so much, Patricia.